welcome to episode seven of the Cop Talk podcast. I'm once again joined by Mark and Jim Lambert. Mark, how you doing tonight? Good. Hello, Modesto. Why Modesto? So I just heard that on 104.1 The Hawk, and I thought it was cool to give shout-outs. Hey, speaking of shout-outs, Alex Why you got to say it like that? Why can't you just say, hey, what's up, Modesto? What's, hello, Modesto? (laughs) That's the way they said it. That's the way they said it on 104.1 The Hawk. So I I decided to do that. You're talking about the weather guy. Anyway, let me give the shout-out to Alex in Kansas. He's a listener of ours. Hello, Alex. And he actually came up with a question that uh, I don't know if we're going to get to it this time around, but we will get out to his question. And by the way, anybody listening, let us know where you're at. We'd like to give you a little shout out. Just uh, give us a call. Let us know where you're listening from. Give we'll us. give you a little shout out. Do you sure you want them to give us a call? Yeah, if, you're, if you're from Kentucky, you can hear How Mark say, email? hello, Kentucky. <laughs> 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 uh, hey. Okay. That's fantastic. <laughs> hey, yeah, if they're uh, in Hawaii, that could sound pretty good. So yeah, you could say uh, never mind. So <laughs> so uh, so obviously, hey, Jim, we forgot to ask Jim how he's doing. Jim, uh, d- how I think we doing? already know. I, th- I think I think it's made clear that he's doing just fine. I got nothing. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I'm all for jumping right into the news and questions. If you guys are, go for it. All right. So, uh, wait. What what show is this? I don't think. Oh yeah, you finished, that's right. Uh, that's right. Introducing we have a website. No, Mark. Mark jumped wait. in and said, hello, Tennessee. <laughs> Before we have a website out. and a book, you got to introduce us, Brent. All right. So as most people that listen to the show know. Uh, for our new listeners. Okay. So we'll, we'll give a shout out to them. But we don't know where they are, so Jim, quiet now. So, right. <laughs> so our website, coptalk.info. Uh, you can ask us a question on the site. There's a form that you can fill out to send it to us anonymously. You can email your questions, you can sign up for our email newsletter, and uh, you can also take a couple seconds to read our disclaimer page, which is becoming very popular. So, but Better yet, you could read about the book that my brother Jim, hello Jim, and I wrote called Cop Talk to help keep people safe from becoming victims of crime. And you could get lost in that website. It basically says who, what, where, how, and when. The book was written why, and just you can spend hours in there with all the stories and tips and everything else. It's free to keep yourself safe, and if you want to buy the book, you could buy the book there too. Or you could tune into the show weekly if we can actually make it and do the show weekly because of our schedules and other nightmares that have been happening lately. Welcome to law enforcement. And, we don't want to uh, end up like uh, dirty jobs, like I say every week. We need people like, hello, Modesto, you know, to uh, write in and let us know God. where they're listening from. And we, <laughs> <laughs> and we need to uh, build our listener base. So let us know where you're at. Hey, Mark, yeah. say that with Cucamonga. Can you, can you pull that one off? <laughs> hello, Cucamonga. <laughs> uh, that was pretty good there, Brent. <laughs> Hey, uh, tell us what city you're in, and we'll give you that hello in that in that phrase. So uh, we'll see how it sounds you know, wherever you're at. Cucamonga, that's got to be the coolest word for a city on the planet. But so the other show. the other thing that we are going to start doing, I think, uh, here on a couple shows, is for the people who do send in some questions and we use them on the show. Uh, I think we'll be sending out. Some, yeah, we're going to give them some free books. So free, free. Wow, that four letter word that I rarely say. Don't we have to vote on that or something? Uh, it, sound, it sounds like it's a done deal already. Yeah, you weren't involved. Yeah, okay. 
So yeah, being one of the partners who wrote the book, I, I could see why I'd be skipped on that, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah. It's like the guy who writes the checks. Oh, hey, did you hear that, Alex? In uh, in Kansas, if we do use that as uh, the story tip, you're going to get a free book. That would mean that they actually have to get back to us with their address and that type of information, though. Oh, so. he's probably typing right now. Awesome. So let's uh, let's, let's hit go. the questions, which I'm assuming you guys have not read yet because we've figured out that me asking you questions that are completely off the top are even better than you reading them. So let's, uh, let's jump into the uh, item number one, which was a study that was done locally here that say, hey, cops mostly stop white drivers. But you know nothing about this. So you want me to give you some background? Yeah, that would be nice. Oh, okay, uh, so, who, so a local... Who, where, when, how? <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's so easy when you think about it. So basically... Nothing like being surprised on the air, but go for it, Brent. Yeah, we're going to surprise you right here. So some surprising trends occur or emerged from an eight-year-long study profiling how law enforcement stops are done. It was done by a local police department in uh, the Bay Area, actually, Um and it basically sums up that about 65% of people that were stopped were white. And of those people, most of them were over 40. And that compared to 10 to 15% black and about 8% Hispanic. And then Asians comprised about 10% and other races about 4 And I guess, you know, what this, well, it's interesting because it's such a long study. It's eight years. That's a lot of traffic stops. So a lot of these studies that I've seen in the past are really short. They are, you know, this racial profiling, all this stuff that we see now with the Arizona thing coming into the light, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, I where, guess where was that study done? Was, was I mean, you don't have to name the city, but was it one city? Was it a county? Was it nationwide? Well, um, but if you're going to say the city, could you say it like Mark does? I, I, I won't say the city, but I will put the link in the show notes because it's just going to be easier that way. Because when you see the city, you're going to go, wow, really? White people? No kidding. That's what, they're, that's what you're going to well, that, say. That's what I was going to say. I mean, is it, is it semi, is it a city? Is it a, was it a city study? Was it a uh, county study? Was it a, what was it? One city? It is a mainly white affluent community in the Bay Area. Okay. That is so surrounded here. that I will no, let me preface this. That is surrounded by some of the worst crime cities in all of the Bay Area. But you know what? That study is gonna be so flawed because if you use a city that has mainly African Americans living in it, the majority of people stops gonna be African Americans. Use a city that has a predominantly white population the number of stops, of course, is going to show mainly white people stopped. And the same for Hispanics or Asians or whatever. So a study like that, unless that's a nationwide study that took every state into account and did a big national study, the, those reports are going to be flawed. That it's city by city, it's going to change. So You, you, you know, Brent, I'm going to have to agree with Mark on this one. I don't think there's a white or a wrong answer about this. Uh, <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm going to have to roll with him on this. Good job, Mark. Yeah. Did you really just say that? <laughs> oh, you said right or wrong. I'm sorry. No, I don't think. Well, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, okay, that's Jim for you. Yeah, well, I mean, people can read more about this study. And Wasn't that the for, question? They can. <laughs> 
Maybe you should catch up with the group because the group's anyway, over here. Anyway, Brent, I, to, to even close that one out, that one's not even worth discussing, I feel, in my point, because every you could do a study in five different cities and you're going to get five different uh, answers to that, five different results on that. That that doesn't represent anything except maybe that one particular city. So that yeah, well, I mean, I have to say at, at the bottom of this, it does mention that it, it looks like the chief mentions that the ACLU had given them a records request at some point and they decided to do this study and basically gave them the results of the study and they never called them back. So well, I've seen it, that with some departments. If there's allegations that a certain race is being targeted, um, some departments will start tracking every citation, every stop to see the people that are stopped and whatnot. But like I said, every city is going to come up with a different result because all cities have different racial uh, proportions in the city. Right. So that, that was a dumb question, Brent. Have they, uh, have they ever done a study on how many uh, or what city has the biggest population of idiots? Uh, or is I, it just broken down in the, in the race? Because... You know, the cool thing about doing these podcasts is I get to watch TV while we're doing it. And I'm watching this special on Lady Gaga. Personally, I think Lady Gaga is hot. I would love to take her home, introduce her to my 85-year-old mom and say, Mom, this is the, the, the woman I'm marrying. But Lady Gaga is hot. But if she's driving down a predominantly black neighborhood at 2 in the morning, it's not going to matter to me whether it's Lady Gaga, who is, I think, white, or some black person spinning donuts in the middle of the street, the person driving like an idiot is the one that's going to catch my attention. It doesn't matter about the person. It matters about the person's driving. And whoever's acting like a fool behind the wheel is the one that's going to get the officer's attention. So I think what Mark says is totally correct. If you're in an area with a predominantly balanced race of, of one kind that's driving like idiots, those are the ones that are going to be getting stopped and getting the tickets or getting arrested. It's got nothing to do with race. Well, that's not okay, what a lot. I'm of, wrong. No, that that's not am what I a lot right of people. Or am I wrong? What, Lady Gaga is American know? Idol already on? <laughs> no, she has way more money than American no, Idol. No, she's on American Idol tonight. Ugh. And the fact that both of you not guys want, might know that, that is see her. I'm just that is completely disturbing to me that either of you care. So, back to the point is a lot of people feel that that what you said, Jim, is not true. So. That, I mean, that's that's why they ask this question. That's why people ask. Okay, maybe, maybe okay, they're look white. At it this way. Look at it this way. <laughs> if there's a predominantly black neighborhood and you see a white person going in there at 2 in the morning, it's going to draw a cop's attention. Okay, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to stop them just based on that, but it's going to draw his attention. Every situation is different. And like Jim said, if there's an area where the majority of the population is either white or African-American, that's going to be the majority of people that are being stopped because that's the biggest population of that area. So I, I, I don't know how that study has any credence for anything, really. Hmm. Well, fine. You can think up the questions for the next show. Well, I, hey, you asked us the question. We gave you our opinion. And that's all it's worth. <laughs> Doesn't mean you have to like it. Oh, no, I don't like most of the stuff you talk to me about. So, And in the book Cop Talk, the 288 pages that can make your life safer, I think there's a whole chapter devoted to car stops and what we look for on the road and what the highest number of violations are for. 
speeding, failure to stop, running stop signs, tailgating, turning out of a turn-only lane. I mean, there's a lot of things. And if people just drove responsibly, wouldn't matter what race they were or what time of day it was or what city they were driving through. You know, it doesn't matter. White, black, green, pink, red. I mean, it doesn't matter. If the majority of people that live in that area or that race, that's the majority that study is going to show. Bottom line. Mark, I've got a question. How many pink people have you stopped, Mark? I was going to ask about green, because that would I've be I've stopped awesome. a lot of green people, like right on the verge of puking. <laughs> those, those were some high deuce, uh, deuce number arrests, but never, I've never stopped a pink person. I, oh, I was I'm just sorry. curious. Okay, how many. I guess we could call them pale. How, how's that, John? Pale. They're pale. No, because then we'd be racially profiling. So let's move on. Let's move on. So, let's uh, move on. Hello, <laughs> Hello, Hartford. Well, today we're going to say hello to Oakland because Oakland PD killed Bambi. Oh. In yeah. the backyard of a house. Was this racially motivated? With somebody videotaping it. What race was Bambi? Uh, deer. Oh, dear. Yes. Was it, a majority, was it an area where the majority of the uh, things living there were deers? No. Bambi was definitely out of the element. No, you know. I guess the buck stops there. (laughs) (laughs) I might have to erase this entire show. Sorry. (laughs) Look, we'll just Uh, say uh, 20 minutes in, Jim says another thing stupid. Okay, cool. Here we go. So I I saw that on the news. Yes. I I gotta say, I don't know all the details. But it wasn't like the deer was trying to crash through a window into a house. It wasn't like it was charging people. It didn't look like it was in danger and, you know, running through traffic. It was basically cowering in the back of a carport. And I, think it was a back, it. I think it was a backyard, yeah. Well, it was cowering next to a fence. It wasn't going anywhere. Yep. And I guess they said the police officers and animal control said they did not carry tranquilizers with them and weren't trained to use them. Correct. I mean... Yeah, I don't was, know what was the deer problem. Armed? Was the deer armed? I, I in uh, my only opinion, only with a red nose, dude. <laughs> had they been in fresh pursuit of the uh, of the deer? No, somebody the uh, the security guard for that complex was in pursuit of the deer, and probably what caused the traumatic incident. I think it was a shoplift. It was it shoplifted some carrots, and they were in <laughs> pursuit of them. So basically, we have a trespass. We have an Before, obstruction of justice because the officers probably asked the deer to identify itself and it probably didn't didn't answer. So that's uh, that's an obstruction of justice and a refusal to uh, identify identify one's self. Uh, so that's two crimes that I'm seeing right there. You know how much coffee did Jim have tonight? Because he is just on a roll with every topic tonight. <laughs> Usually he has nothing. Anyway, before I was so rudely interrupted, I wish Jim I had don't know. nothing. <laughs> I don't know what the problem would have, would have been. You know those pellets just, that deers dispense? When they, <laughs> I mean, you can always tell where a deer's been, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe it was Brent, littering, too. That would be three crimes. Brent, we'll if just they, scared the, uh, they scared the pellets out of the deer, that's, so, that's three crimes that I can think of. So I, I have a question. Why would animal control not be able to use or be trained in some kind of tranquilizer. You guys have dealt with animal control a lot. What? Why would they not be able to tranquilize this poor Bambi and put Bambi back up in the hills where Bambi Well, bolts? you know, you, you see it in, uh, I don't know, who was it that responded in uh, San Francisco when that tiger 
got out. They had to, or they shot and killed that one. But they, they use tranquilizers. There, there's agencies that use tranquilizers. And I don't know if it's animal control or fish and game. Maybe they should have tried to call fish and game and if they carry them. But I don't see the issue with why didn't everybody just go away and let the deer wander and go back home up into the hills where it lived. I didn't you know, see Mark's such a big was. advocate of tasers. We talked about tasers a couple weeks ago. Why didn't they tase it, throw it in the back seat, drive it up in the hills, let it go? I mean, you know, Mark that, said it, when it, you get tased, it totally immobilizes you're you. You're right, Jim. They could have tased it and put handcuffs on it. I'm curious, though. I don't believe that in our training for tasers cuffs? we had that covered. <laughs> That'd be hoof cuffs, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just you ta- if you tased if you tased me, I, there'd be pellets coming out of me. I can tell you that. So <laughs> that's that's just wrong. So so I mean, is this we could have done without that, Brent? So is this guy? The, I mean, the, the guy that they interviewed, I, I sort of agree with him. He's he's the, right. I, I don't I don't think the that they handled that. Apologize right. today. From what I heard, they apologize. And in my opinion, I mean, w- normally I'm not one to judge police departments. I wasn't there, but. Like I said, the deer wasn't. I mean, it was on danger anybody. It wasn't breaking windows. Like you know, you see some of them crash through a window into a store or something. It was just sitting there cowering. And I, if they just went away and let it wander back home, maybe they were afraid it was going to go out into traffic. But I think it was contained. They could have called Fish and Game or somebody to come in that had a tranquilizer to tranquilize it, not not just sit there and uh, pump five or six rounds into it. Was My it opinion. Crawling? What? Is it prowling? <laughs> Will you yeah. stop trying to find yeah, something Yeah, don't need a dead horse illegal? or deer in this case. <laughs> yeah, it's not a dead horse. <laughs> Sounds like it's a dead deer. Uh, Brent, I, I, how long have you had that pellet problem? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an ongoing problem. Nice. <sighs> I'm seeing somebody about it, though. So, all right. A veterinarian? <laughs> I can't say it on the air. Maybe he doesn't use protection if you listen to our last show. Yeah. Sounds like so, he's not protecting his device. But. So moving moving right along. Uh, teenager allegedly involved in 28 armed robberies arrested in Hayward, California. So this was a guy that was arrested after Bergen, like 20 homes and about eight armed robberies and several other things in the entire area around Hayward and Oakland and up into the hills and all over the place. And it was just one of those things that it looks like there's one, one, one that has been won by the police department over there for that. Well, that proves that our uh, judicial system works when somebody like that is out to do that again, right? That's, well, a, was, that's a hot topic for Jim there. Was he out How to do was it? He? Was he out to do it again? Or did he well, just get away he? with 28 of them before we actually caught him? That's my question. How old is he? A teenager. Well, is he like 16, 17? Or is he like uh, 13 or 14? Uh, 16. Try him as an adult. See you when you're 35, dude. Later. Well, at least the California Youth Authority until he's 25. Yeah, it, the juveniles get a slap on the wrist. They don't fear the punishment, so they just keep doing the crimes. Yeah, may be responsible for 28 different armed robberies in Hayward and nearby communities that have occurred in the past two months at various convenience-type stores. So basically walking in, brandishing, getting a Slurpee, I guess. I don't know. Nice. 
So, I mean, he got 28 of them, and then he got he, caught. He's lucky he didn't walk into the store where the uh, clerk has the gun under the counter and uh, grabs that. Yeah, well, you know, part of me says that Darwin's theory wins in that case. Well, 16 years old, he's going to get a little bit of time, and he'll be right back out to do it again. Well, and his partner in crime was uh, 17, so he's pretty much... Uh, well, 17 to 20-year-old, but I guess he's still at large. So, nice. Okay, so I get uh, wow, pretty big case in Contra Costa this week, which was this 25 arrested in the marijuana sting that went down. I don't know if you guys were So we all. shoot a deer, but we don't shoot the 17-year-old armed with a gun doing 20 armed. Ro- I'm sorry, I was just doing some thinking. Go ahead. Uh, next topic. Yeah, you should really avoid thinking out loud. It's dangerous. So, 25 people arrested in a huge marijuana sting, Contra Costa. Does that ring a bell? Were you guys involved in that? I was. Uh, I was. No, I wasn't involved. Really? But I mean, there's dope pops all around the county. This was Why? a. This was. This was a huge one, though. This was uh, multi-agency. Sure. Started Service for medicinal purposes. Uh, let's see, 1,200 marijuana plants, street value 600,000, West Contra Costa, Narcotics Task Force took them down, all through North Richmond and Richmond. Um, 25 people arrested, I, I guess that would be I mean, that seems like good. a small one, actually, to me, this, <clears throat> especially with all the foreclosures going on now. Um, the, the growers are just breaking into houses, putting new locks on it. Uh, and setting up everything. Every bedroom in the house becomes a grow room. We had one uh, out where I work. The house got foreclosed on, and they had something like uh, five or six hundred plants growing in there. They had the nursery downstairs with a with the little small plants that they were uh, starting, and then upstairs, all the bedrooms were converted into grow rooms with ventilation systems. They had tapped into PG and E into the backyard. They had the dry room uh, for hanging the plants to dry. And these things are all over. Every city, every county, all over the place. So, you know, what you're saying there, that, that doesn't sound like a real large operation compared to what's really out there. So you're saying that my buddy, who uh, will remain nameless, who has a backyard that backs up onto a huge open space that the sheriff's office went up there and pulled a million dollars worth of pot plants out of because some guy was growing them up there without his knowledge. That's a, that's a bigger deal then. That's, that's a still though. That's a drop in the bucket. So, I mean, I guess the question is, is marijuana that big of a problem? I mean, are we really, is that really something we should be concentrating on? What well, is, well, it I is mean, but the courts, courts are sending mixed signals. Oh, uh, okay. On what the DAs aren't even filing on some cases. I mean, it just, with budget cuts and everything, let's just say it's not a big priority. Can you still get arrested for it? Yes. Will it still go on your record? Yes. Um, Do are I? Are they actually going to file through and follow with it? Who knows? Depends on the county and the DA and everything. But it, it's just not a big priority right now. Mm. Dude, I had this guy out on a boat, and he's looking all suspicious. And he's, he's got a fishing line or, or a fishing pole outside the boat up against this levee shore of, a, of an island. And there's no line attached to the fishing pole. It just looks like he's fishing. And I'm going, that's kind of weird. So I pull up alongside the boat. and Why and is he's that got weird, this, Jim? You're like a detective. Yeah. And he's well, got this. I'm, I'm cool like that. But <laughs> he's got this blue tarp 
over the back of the boat, and he's sitting in a very small area. And, and when I approached downwind, you could get this just strong odor of some ripe marijuana. So I pull up alongside. I go, what are you doing? He goes, fishing. I go, yeah, okay, move the tarp. So he pulls back the tarp, and there's six pot plants that were uh, were raring to go. I mean, they look like pretty healthy plants. And I said, you're kidding me. I go, what are you doing out here with this? He goes, well, I was looking for a you know a place to, to grow them because I can't do it at home. <laughs> so I, I, called our, uh, I called our narcotics unit, and they said, does he have more than six plants? I said, no, he's got six. And they said, hey, there's nothing we can do about it, you know? Really? Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, he's going out to this island out in the Delta to, to start a grow. Now, granted, when, uh, when I used to fly over the Delta, I mean, grows were easy to fl- find from the air. And I've found grows in the past that were, you know, 90 to 100 plants that were, were very, uh, they were a very extravagant system of using the, the tides to irrigate the, uh, the crops. And if you remember being in high school and reading that magazine, High Times, you know, the centerfold always showed these dynamite plants that were just like the cream of the crop. And these plants were right up there on that level. I mean, they were, uh, they were some potent stuff. But, you know, you can't find out who's doing it unless you're actually out there and, and uh, catching the people taking care of it, you know, right off the get-go. But this guy out on the Delta that's going to start to grow, you know, there's nothing we can do with him because the DA is not going to file a case on him. And with laws now, all someone has to do is say it's for medicinal purposes. And whether he's got his card or not, there's all kinds of legalities. If you take his pot, uh, department got sued because they confiscated a bunch of plants. And, of course, they died in the evidence room. The guy ended up suing and winning. And the department had to pay him for what the plants were worth because they couldn't return it to him in the condition when they were seized. I mean, a lot of departments now, it just it's sometimes it's not even worth it especially wow. with the medicinal stuff we have that there's a big huge superstore that opened up in a uh, one of the bigger uh cities out here and it's like it's just a huge huge pot growing superstore they've got uh, everything you need to grow pot hydroponics the lighting the ventilation they have contractors there that'll help you plan your room and sell you everything they have the contractors that will come out and set the room up for you with everything you buy there and they even have an on-site doctor that'll write you a prescription for your ailment and so when you have stuff like that going on i mean it's it's almost like it's legal now it's it's not even worth it sometimes you're gonna have to send it's not even it's not just marijuana though i mean uh, in my own opinion methamphetamine is probably one of the most dangerous drugs in the world and it is but they take a harder line against that that's yeah but in in the old day and i mean not all that long ago if anyone had a a usable amount of of crank on them it was a felony crime you know and and you you got booked you went to jail and and uh with no priors you got three years felony probation or you know, 90 days uh, at the county jail, and then the next time it was slam dunk. But now, with this Prop 36, uh, no prior record, uh, it's a misdemeanor, and uh, we're going to send you to drug school and counseling, and it's a joke. It's, you get it's, more time for being under the influence. That's a mandatory 90 days in jail. You get more time <laughs> for being under the influence than getting caught with uh, with crank for the first time, it seems. <clears throat> Anyway, we be we be shooting a deer. 
Yeah, we beat this one down worse than that deer story. So, so uh, let's move on to the next one. So there's breaking news that uh, New York officials just shut down the the Kennedy Bridge, the Robert F. Kennedy Bridge, because somebody abandoned a U-Haul truck on it. Um, I would assume well, they're on high that, alert. After that scare they just had with that nut, you know, with that SUV. Hey, I mean, no, 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 no. Let's get this straight. I always drive around with gas cans, propane tanks, fertilizer, fertilizer and other explosives in my car and leave it running with the hazard lights on in Times Square all the time. Well, At least well, he left the it. hazard lights on to warn people. Yeah, that was that was considerate. And you never know when you're going to run out of gas. So what's the problem with carrying extra gas in your vehicle or need you never barbecue? Know if your glaucoma gets out of hand and you need to start a grow of marijuana plants, why not have the fertilizer in your car next to the gasoline? And the propane. And if, you're, and yeah. if you're in such pain, you lose track of time, why not have an alarm clock with wires hooked up to the fertilizer so that you know what time it is to plant your, your grow? <laughs> I agree. I agree. There's, Maybe it was, it was just a terrible misunderstanding. I think that's the court case summed up in three seconds right there. Yeah. Dude, if that guy needs an attorney, I'm thinking of changing careers here. Yeah, I think he'll be uh, he'll be needing an attorney, all right. Um, no. Well, well I'll, I'll try to follow this story and see. I would hopefully this is just a broken down truck, but we'll see. So I guess we can get onto one that's going to take a little bit of time here because we're going to run out of time. Um, somebody asked me a very good question on who determines when a pursuit is terminated, and. Um, Back in the old day, if they ran, you chased them. I mean, if they had a tail light out and you hit the lights and they took off, you you chased them until the wheels fell off the car, and it was accepted back then. But with the liabilities now, um, because the, the officers have to slow down at the intersections, they have to take the precautions. The bad guys, they just punch it. They go through the red lights. They they don't obey any laws. With all the people that have been getting injured and killed lawsuits are being brought against the police departments and based on this liability a lot of police departments have rewritten their pursuit policies and uh basically determine when a pursuit should be initiated when it should be called off i mean technically the supervisor has the authority to terminate a pursuit because he's monitoring monitoring it on the air and the officer also has the right to terminate the pursuit. If he feels it's getting too dangerous, um, he'll stop the pursuit. But there's so much involved in this. Jim? Well, it's kind of funny because I was going to bring up a question uh, I'd like to hear you and Brent answer. And that's, you know, over the last 15 or so years of your career, you know, what have you really changed your, your stance on from when you started as a rookie to now? And one of mine's is pursuits. And one like you said... One of mine is, like you said, pursuits. Right. You know, for the minor, for the most minor thing, it'd be game on, no matter what. And now, even for a, a ten eight five one, a stolen car, it, it, you know, I don't get all that excited about it. The only reason why I will get involved is because my partners are involved, and I don't want to see you know anyone get hurt, or you don't know if they need cover or what. I mean, no one's going to pursue a car by themselves, but you know, the first thing you hear is uh so-and-so is in pursuit of a 10851 uh you know my first thought is well why the person leave the keys in the car or why you know why was the car unlocked it, it's like property crimes are property crimes but life is is different and 
You're chasing these cars at 80 to 100 miles an hour, and you're endangering so many lives. I think it's safe to say that most police departments have have swayed over now to where, you know, they used to let officers chase, like I said, until the people gave up. And, you know, back then, a lot of people, not as many people ran because they knew the police were going to keep chasing them. They were going to get caught. Now, it seems like the bad guys try to think the crazier they drive, they're getting on the freeways, going the wrong way, going down the roadways on the wrong side of the road. They think if they could drive crazy enough, the police officer will stop chasing them. And in a lot of instances, that's true. But what they don't realize is what they may have turned a little misdemeanor pursuit, failure to yield, into a felony pursuit when they start driving like that. So they could create a felony. And what, 80, 90% of the time the people run for some stupid reason that they wouldn't have even potentially had any problems with anyway. And right. they get then they go into a huge pursuit, and then they have felony charges against yeah, them. Yeah, they so. had a little warrant. They didn't have a driver's license. They didn't have insurance. Uh, they had a pocket full of dope. I mean, uh, yeah, but let let's not let's not. I mean, the CHP, for an example, in California, they will chase you until everybody in the department runs out of fuel. That is true. They so, they. They'll they never give your up. Tail and you cannot outrun them. Yeah, and they will just continue from section to section, getting new people involved until you run out of gas or you get tired and fall asleep at the wheel. Now, now awesome. most cities, they'll they'll terminate the pursuit if it gets to be too dangerous for certain things. Now, if there's an assault on a police officer, if it's a uh, an assault with a deadly weapon suspect, a serious crime, bank robbers, something like that. They're not going to stop chasing you. They're going to keep chasing you. They'll bring CHP into the chase, the helicopters. It'll go from one city to another. For serious crimes, they're not going to stop chasing them. But for the minor ones, like Jim said, property crimes, you know, the guy, or you don't even know, you guy's got a brake light out, you hit the lights and he takes off. Most departments aren't going to let you keep chasing somebody like that. And that, and, uh, they're that gonna includes... The pursuit. And most departments have rewritten their rules when it comes to motorcycle pursuits, too. Yeah, I was in one, when I was on motors, I was in a one that went probably a good 20 miles. And uh, before anybody actually caught up to me to, to help me make the stop. But yeah, it is dangerous when, if a motorcycle's chasing somebody, the minute a car gets into the chase, the car becomes the primary unit and the motorcycle is supposed to uh, back Well, off. I was thinking not as a motor officer, as you in a car chasing a motorcycle. Oh, okay, that, that too. Because that yeah. is what they've found in the past, as far as I know, is when the guy, you know, hits the gas, the next thing he does is hit a tree. So trying to run. So and again, it depends don't, on don't the they crime. call that karma? Yeah, yeah, it's karma all over the tree. If it's a property crime, a lot of times the pursuit's going to get terminated, and they'll try to find other ways to to get the guy i mean a lot of cities now have cameras at uh, major intersections and they could get you know uh still shots of people's faces and whatnot so hopefully they could track them down but if it's a serious crime they're they're not going to uh, stop the pursuit all right any anything else we want to add to that how many pursuits have you been in mark um i'd say career. probably a good 75 to 100 maybe like legit, full-on, full-blown pursuits with multiple vehicles. Yeah, when I first started, um, you know, it was basically you chased them just because they ran. And yeah, and uh, 
bike, motorcycles, cars, you know, and most of the time when a pursuit lasts any amount of time, you have, back in the old days, you'd have a look like a Christmas tree. You'd have, you know, eight or ten police cars in the pursuit. But with the policies being refined, you're supposed to have the chase car and then two other cars um, behind it, one being a supervisor. And um, other units are always in the area because they're going to monitor it. They're going to be on the side streets. They're going to call what they call tailing the pursuit. So if the guy crashes or bails out, they could set up a perimeter really quick. But most departments limit the amount of cars that could be in a pursuit. Yeah, I mean, Uh, I think the term is trailing, not tailing. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, okay, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Mr. How many pursuits have you been in? Oh, no, wait. Maybe I should rephrase that. How many pursuits have you caused? Where I've tailed one or trailed one? That that would be more, how many accidents has Jim (laughs) caused? (laughs) How many pursuits have you either initiated or been involved with in your career? Way too many. What does that that mean? We've lost radio contact with Jim. Could be because he's two counties away still chasing the person without permission. (laughs) That would never happen. I was younger. That's what you're talking about. It only happened when I was younger. All right. Well, hey, how about pursuits on the water? Have you dealt with that yet? Yeah. And? Yeah. Uh, half are okay because our boats keep up with them and we manage to stop them. And then half are embarrassing because it's usually an offshore uh, <laughs> boat that does in excess of 120. And uh, so it was rule- pretty cool because a couple of fourth, fourth of July, uh, a couple years ago, um, it was right at dark, and uh, this offshore came around this blind corner, like at full speed, and almost took us out. And it didn't have nav lights on. And uh, I turned my boat around, which does about 50 or so, and tried to catch this guy. And uh, down this straight, long, wide slew, and couldn't do it. But I radioed to dispatch and said, "Hey, you know, have the other two marine units uh, stand by at the uh, at the railroad bridge." Was that uh, the one that crashed south. into my friend's dock and destroyed his uh, dock? No, that was different. That was okay. a 10851 attempt. Okay. <laughs> but in this one, uh, the sergeant and the other boat crew uh, basically blocked the bridge uh, with their boats, and this guy had no alternative but to stop. So it's the only time I've ever caught an offshore boat that tried to run from me. So but yeah, it does with... happen on the water. Jet skis, boats, everybody. So no different. As in... No different. It's just there's idiots both places. Yeah, except and, out on the river, you don't have a whole lot of cover, you know, and on you the can't, land. And like with all of these, you can't outrun the radio is what it comes down to. Or the the majority of pursuits or the helicopter that a city police officer gets into, the guy tries to get a little distance on the officer, and he bails out of the car, jumps out and runs, starts hitting fences, or he crashes. That's the way the majority of them end. I mean, if they get into the freeway... You know, then they could go longer distances. But the majority ones around town, they, they usually either crash in a short short amount of time or they bail out of the car. Yeah, usually See, not we, the best we need to look at this in the white way, not not the wrong way. Because if if you're Here pursuing if you're pursuing in a town with predominantly more white people, you're probably going to get in more white pursuits. Um, versus if you're pursuing. <laughs> Are you going somewhere with this? But, you know, <laughs> on the other hand, Jim, most of the time a pursuit is just a misdemeanor. But if the guy intentionally hit a deer, then it becomes animal cruelty, and that's a felony. So then it's a felony pursuit. 
That's just an accident. I said right. intentionally. Oh, sorry. Okay. So, no, that is funny though how your views change on that because um, when I was younger and a, and a supervisor would evaluate the circumstances and terminate a pursuit, I would be livid. I'd go through the roof. I'd be pissed. Sometimes I'd act like I couldn't hear the radio and I'd continue and I'd get in trouble, but <laughs> I felt like I was doing the right thing. But now, you know, and looking back on it and being a little older and a little wiser, you know, some of these departments flat out have policies prohibiting uh, pursuing related property crimes. Like if a car is a stolen car, you won't pursue it. You know, you'll get the plate and you'll uh, find it later unoccupied and you'll get it back to the owner. But you're not going to risk the public's well-being or officer's well-being chasing a property crime. You know, what's funny is the fresh rookies out of the academy. I mean, they just don't understand you know, when, when a supervisor tells them terminate the pursuit. And, you know, understandably so. Everybody wants to catch the bad guy, but they just haven't been a cop long enough to see the aftermath of, you know, the bad guy plowing into a family at an intersection and wiping out a whole family, you know, because the guy's in a stolen car being chased by the police. And, you know, once you've been a cop for a while and you hear about that with other departments and see it, then it starts making more sense that it's just not worth chasing these guys just for a property crime again a serious crime hey we're going to keep chasing but for property crime it's it's not worth you know the human life loss it's no, a when huge. i worked the west end of the county you you would have these little idiots trying to get uh um what do they call it when you get into a gang initiated, initiated. yeah yeah they would have to uh you know when they saw a cop or a deputy they'd have to spin their tires in an intersection and try and uh uh, you know, get the cop to get into a chase and, and lead him on a pursuit. And then you'd bail out of the car, let it crash into something uh, parked on the side of the road, and then a foot chase, you know. And if you got away, you were a hero and got into the gang. And if you didn't, then you got to hang with all the homies uh, in jail. But, you know, now I have the feeling, hey, if you want to drive like an idiot, friggin' knock yourself out. It's your transmission, your tires, everything else. They actually get mad if you don't pursue them. Meaning the bad guy, not your. Well, we don't guy. want to let him down now, do we? No, you don't want to let him down. Yeah. There's always. I, so the rules, I mean, well, the ones I live by is there's always tomorrow, right? So this is a huge game on a daily basis that we play. And I'm going to come back to work tomorrow and I'll just catch you tomorrow. So, you know, if it, if it becomes so dangerous that, it, I mean, especially me working as a reserve, uh, you know, if it becomes a danger issue above and beyond for whatever reason, and there's not a, you know, really good reason to continue, you know. You know, sometimes the public doesn't understand because there was an incident last week where a murder suspect was being pursued by sheriff's deputies into, uh, into the city, and at a dead end, the guy jumped out and rushed the officers with a knife, and they shot him. But there was uproar from the neighbors. Oh, the police cars were driving down so fast down our street. There were kids out there playing. They didn't take into account the kids. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, some people just don't understand. You know, it wasn't they were they weren't chasing them just for a taillight out or something. This was a murder suspect. And when you're chasing a murder suspect, you know, the, the pursuits are going to get dangerous. And, well, you know, and, and you got to look at it both ways. You're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. Uh, if you stop chasing a car and it turns out the guy was a rapist, then there's going to be uproar. Why did the police stop chasing this rapist? Now he's at loose in our city. 
So it, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of things involved with pursuits. Well, and I think a lot of this is, I mean, I know, well, I know some of this is explained in the book, but other aspects of it are, is when you are in a, let's say you're a cop in a car daily basis, you're reading the stuff that's on the computer, you're dealing with multitasking all the time, you're listening to the radio, the scanner, dealing with cell phone calls, doing all this different stuff. When you're on a pursuit, you're doing the same thing. You're multitasking everything that's going on around you, you're doing all this, and you're trained to do it. Most people can't even handle one phone call while they're driving. And on top of that, your adrenaline is kicked way up. Well, you know, I'm not going to say I agree with that 100% because... Maybe when I started, it was like that. But now, later on, I look oh, at everybody else all jacked up. If I'm not talking about jacked up, but I'm just saying your heart rate's up. You, I mean, you know, sometimes they try to keep you from getting tunnel vision. But, I mean, when you're in a pursuit, it's not like you're just, you know, out driving your patrol car. The adrenaline, the heart rate, everything goes up. Right. It, it, just, it just happens. Well, and I'm, I was watching racing some, I think it's this brand new racing series that was on TV last week. They were showing, and they have the heart rate of the guys that are in the cars while they're driving. And uh, one guy was, and these guys are all top athletes, 193 uh, sustained heart rate for an hour and a half. That's yeah. that's pretty crazy. So, but that's you know, my normal pulse rate. <laughs> yeah, that that's a problem. You should get some medication. Hang on, I gotta get another coffee. I'll be right back. So, yeah, that's, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's changed a lot through my career. I know that much. But I guess when you're listening to a scanner, you can tell who's new and who's not. Because oh, yeah. when you, I, I think one of the best stories that I have is when we were watching, we literally watched a plane crash up by uh, this end of the county that I live in. And the guy that was watching it and calling it in as it was crashing and he was rushing to the scene was absolutely the coolest head you could imagine and he literally said yeah i see the plane it appears to be yeah it's crashed so you know it's just <laughs> it's just one of those were they things pursuing, were they pursuing the plane no that was uh <laughs> i'll tell you the name of who that guy was later jim that's it was funny you you'd go oh i i get it <laughs> gotcha he was uh he was one of those guys that never raised his voice ever he just sort of talk through everything yep. but you know that's that's the way you do it you get, get kind of seasoned to it you might say yeah, um, you hear the new guys in a pursuit and they're they're screaming nobody can understand what street they're on and uh they're lost they don't know the, you know the area they're in and you just you could definitely tell somebody that's uh absolutely stressing out new people you or know, it's even, not like i sit around and watch tv a lot but there was this uh documentary series on cable i think a and e called the uh, auto theft task force and i think yep. it was philadelphia or somewhere back east but these guys were on unmarked friggin giant four by four suvs with heavy duty bumpers and door panels and everything else and they would actually set up you know uh surveillance of a vehicle and trail it mark not tail it but trail it and when they got all their units in position then they'd give the word and when the dude actually stopped for a red light you'd see this monster pickup block it's the front end both side doors and the back and the, all the dude could do is go all right i'm busted but you know the tack that they used in the patients 
I mean, that's the way to get it done. Not, not you know, letting a, free, a car get on the freeway uh, doing 110 miles an hour on the wrong side of the freeway at 5 in the afternoon. But one thing that's really helped bring pursuits to an end also is spike strips. We have, all, we have those in all of our cars now, and that's the coolest thing when you work. I mean, sometimes they swerve around them if they see them, but I'll tell you, there's it's a really satisfying feeling when the pursuit's coming your way and you pull those spike strips out and you watch it go over uh, the suspect vehicle, go over it and flatten out a couple of his tires because you know that pursuit's coming to an end real quick. Yeah, I, I use those in my personal life all the time when I need to get the UPS guy to stop. I just throw that out there. There you go. <laughs> works nice. or, or you get the rookie officer that doesn't pull it out of the way because he's so excited. Yeah, and everybody goes flat. Yeah, all the patrol cars go over it too. So. Yeah, Dude, I heard like four cars get disabled in one pursuit from that. <laughs> and I think it was guys at my brother's agent. No, I, it couldn't have been from there. Uh, <laughs> oh, it could have been. Hey, I worked. I worked for a towing company that we went after. A, we went out to a call where uh, there was a whole bunch of CHP guys out there, and they had all driven into the same ditch all together, following each other. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Yeah, there's yep. that tunnel vision. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Nice job, guys. We'll get you all, all right. out. One cool. feet. So the bottom line is, who calls off a pursuit? Uh, the officer chasing uh, the the uh, suspect can call the pursuit if it gets unsafe. And uh, more often than not, it's a supervisor monitoring this the pursuit. Right. Because the officer is supposed to be calling out his speed, traffic conditions, um, all Reason. that. To the suit. Yeah. Reason for the pursuit, correct? Right. That's the biggest one. You'll hear most supervisors right off the bat say, what's the reason for the pursuit? Traffic yeah. only. Yeah. And don't. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Carolina. <laughs> he looked at me funny. I think he's headed for Modesto. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we On give... that note, why don't we uh, wrap this thing up? Well, because we're 50 minutes into the show and we have three questions to do. No, we could save the questions. We're going to bore people here. Uh, only if you keep talking. Okay, Brent. <laughs> you know what? I, I think my question was the, uh, was the best Brent's... of the night. And I'm going to start with Mark. Mark, in the last 15, 18, whatever years uh, since you started, since that day I, I got to pin the badge on your on your. Uh, that on was your 20 unit. years ago, Jim, but thanks for remembering. Whatever. <laughs> but I remember it like it was yesterday. I just don't remember how many years it was. But what what have you completely changed your uh, your beliefs or your mindset on from from the time that you started as a as a rookie? Well, believing that you could save the world because you can't. There's always going to be stupid stupid people out there. When when you first start, you think you know you could help people. You know, they arrest them. You're going to be able to turn them around and whatnot. But you see the revolving door. You you. It changed, you, you become cynical. When I first started, my wife said, you're going to become cynical. And I said, no, I'm not. Believe me, you become cynical. You see the worst of the worst, and you can't help but becoming a little cynical. Um, I think that's one reason we wrote the book, Jim. You see the stupid mistakes that people make day in and day out. The same mistakes over and over and over again. And uh, it used to be that I really cared about every single time someone left their keys in the car and their car got stolen. And now I kind of turn around and say, God, how could you make, you know, I don't say it to them, but I think, how could you make such a stupid mistake? I, 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 I think I become a lot more <laughs> cynical than I used to be. 
And the other thing I've really changed is like we just talked about the pursuits. It's just not worth the liability. I, I don't need the bad guy, you know, living in my house, you know, because I did something that, you know, that I shouldn't have. So that's a that's a good answer, Brent. What have you, uh, what have you changed your beliefs on all this time? Uh, well. Uh, well, I, he, has a, I, he has a pellet problem now. That <laughs> I don't, I don't want to seem like I agree with what Mark says because that would just make me look bad. But did I make myself look bad? No, it just I do care about people, but it, it just seeing the the same mistakes over and over and over again. Sometimes no, he meant it would make him look bad head. copying you because he has loose pellet problems. <laughs> oh. I, I don't want to drag you into my condition. So literally, so the. I guess for me, part of it is the part of it is what Mark said, which is the the issue of not being able to save the world. I don't think I ever went into law enforcement to save the world. I went into law enforcement to help people. The problem is, is that I found out sadly that there's a lot more dumb people than smart people. You probably had so, a higher expectation of what you could I, do. I, well, I did, and you know, and I think that the sad part is, is that when you finally get out there and you hit the street, and I, I see this a lot now that I'm starting to become involved more with hiring new reserves and through the hiring process, you know, that you get the questions in the oral boards, you know, wh what can I do to help? You know, how, why are you doing this? Well, I'm doing it so that I can help the community, and I want to get crime off the street. Well. You know, I don't want to tell the guy that ain't going to happen. That's job security crime on the street. You don't want it all gone. But then again, we do. But it's a tough balancing act. I, I you know, I guess for me, it's more, it's different than being a full timer, though, Jim. I mean, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm in it for the same reasons on all aspects as what you guys might, might have gotten into it for. You know, I started as a citizen. I don't get paid to do what I do. I don't look at it like a job I look at it as something that I give back to the to the community so it's my way of doing something good for the community it's not me trying to go out there or me having a badge for power or any of those other issues that you know sadly I think there's cops out there that have those issues also but you know I, I think it was a big reality check I tell you that much I think I, I was I, I found out more about our society in the past 15 or 20 years of doing law enforcement than I've done anything else uh, you learn about every aspect of the society good and bad a lot of bad uh, it's definitely well, a very unique uh, learning opportunity yeah I, I mean I, I tell people all the time I, I actually I was well I won't say arguing but I would say conversing with somebody on Twitter the other night where they had made some off-the-wall comment and I was in a crummy mood, so I mouthed off. And they said something to the effect of, you know, cops this, F the police, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? The police say that right back to you. And then we got into a little argument there, and it ended up being that he was pulled over for something in his city, and he didn't know why because... Well, why was because they... They pulled him over because his car matched the same suspect down the road, and he felt that he was being, you know, everything under the sun was wrong with the cops for pulling him over because his car matched the suspect that was in some robbery or something down the street, which was explained to him at the car stop. And you know, at, at the end of that, though, he actually said, you know what, I think you're right. Maybe I was looking at that wrong, and I was just pissed off. And I, I know go, people yeah. bash the police a lot, but you know what? I wish one day and they that they advertised it well in advance— that on one particular day, 
all the police officers are going to take the day off. There's not going to be one cop on the street. And let the media advertise it. Watch what would happen. Yeah, and I think it just that would make people appreciate the police. I mean, whether people like the police or not, they are what they call the thin blue line that keeps civilization from just going under. Well, I, I, well let me agree and disagree. The, for me personally, I don't do things wrong because I know they're wrong. I don't go out and say the cops are going to bust me because, I mean, I was raised by parents that told me there's things you do that are right and there's things you do that are wrong. If you do stuff wrong, you're going to get smacked or you're going to get arrested. Okay, well, fine. So I I don't know how in my mind, though, I could ever look at a convenience store and going in and robbing a convenience store and go somehow and saying that's okay in my head unless we're being invaded. No, and I because need water. you're a normal no. law-abiding citizen. Yeah, but what makes and you law-abiding? I mean, the, why? What's the difference between a law-abiding citizen? The way you're raised, the examples that parents have set, or should I say, that have not set set. It just it's the way people are raised. Some people, if they're raised where they see mom and dad being arrested every other week, in and out of jail, um, you know making money by selling dope and, and whatnot, that's the way they're raised. That's the way they feel life should be because they haven't seen anything different. So it becomes um, okay is what, you, what you're saying. It's it, well, it, it, somehow it's the in their head, it's, it's the normal. It's norm. Right. You know, and like I mentioned in the book, I think, I, I tell people the majority of law-abiding citizens, you know, work their job during the day. They go home, they eat dinner, they watch little TV. They go to sleep, they wake up the next morning, they go back to work, start all over again. Most cops have to start out working graveyard shift, and that is an eye-opener because you see what's going on. When most people are asleep in their bed, they don't realize that there's people out there walking through their neighborhood in the middle of the night, checking door handles, checking windows on houses and doors on houses, breaking into cars. I mean, that's their job. The criminals, that's their job at nighttime, and most people, law-abiding citizens, don't realize what is out there at night. They don't, they don't realize the danger. And that's something that we see when you become a cop. You see that. You see the bad part of civilization. And sometimes it's overwhelming. I, I, I guess it has a lot to do with being raised well. I mean, I, I drive to work every day, and I can tell you that, you know, I probably don't obey the speed limit every day. And I could also say that in the back of my head, I'm telling myself, you know what? you're doing something wrong. So, you know, I, I'm not obeying that rule. But on the flip side of that, I've told a lot of people, and what they've done is they go, well, whatever, uh, you, you just talk, talk, talk. Yeah, well, go do a ride-along. Get into a car one day, go out with your local law enforcement guys and see what we get to see on a daily basis. And you will be amazed after one night of riding in a town that's, you know, pretty pretty hopping. Active. Yeah, if you go into that city and it's hopping, you will go, oh my God, look at this mess that we have out here that we have to, and you guys have to deal with this every night, you know, and that's what I get from the feedback and even from, even from new reserves that are starting to come in. Hey, go on a ride along first. Maybe you should determine if you really want to do this job. Go out, check it out and see if you come back that night and go, yeah, I could do this for the rest of my life. Well, we've had a lot of officers come uh, to our department, and you know we're a pretty active department. We've had lots of officers come out, and they don't make it through field training. They just can't handle all the stress and yeah. and what they see. All right, so let's turn this question back around on Jim. 
So yeah, I think the best pursuit I've ever heard of is uh, where the suspect uh, jumped into a pool of manure. <laughs> and if you missed that, listen to our last uh, number. Was it number six? Yeah. Yep. Listen to number six. <laughs> the pool of manure episode. Pool of manure. Now no, let's wrap this it's up. It's interesting. The questions. Guys, it's, uh, no, I want to. I want to hear what Jim's is, Jim. No, it's interesting hearing you guys say this, and, and your answers are, are completely, I mean, there is no right answer or a white answer. But what, but what's uh, your answer? What's your, what's, uh, did you say what you feel on this question? It's, it's pretty much uh, evaluating, uh, you know, almost that thing of pursuits. You know, you evaluate what you're going to get fired up about and what you're not. And, it, and it's like the, the kid growing up that was a 19 or 20 or 21-year-old rebel and, ah, the cops suck and you're squealing your tires up and down the street leaving your, your uh, tire marks for your neighbors to get all pissed off about. But then 20 down, years down the road, you're the one calling the cop because the neighbor kid down the street's revving his motor at 2 in the morning and, and leaving skid marks and doing the exact same thing that you were doing as a kid, only now you're the one getting pissed off about it and calling the cops about it. And it's like everybody's outlook on life changes, and it's got to do with age and maturity and background and upbringing and a and hundred different things. But I really base my judgment. I mean, I still give 110%. Uh, my involvement with pursuits or chases or perimeters more so goes towards, uh, you know, a real bad guy. I mean, a serious felon is someone that we all want to catch. Right. But for the most part, I'm there because of the teamwork that goes into police work. And the more you work as a team, the safer everyone is and the better the results are. But to arbitrarily say, oh, I'm going to chase that guy. He's got a headlight out. You know, I could really give it. You know, I don't care about your headlight. You know, if you get rear-ended one night because a drunk doesn't see your lights on the back of the car, well, you can't fix stupid spelled with a K for can't, you know, and and that's just the bottom line. And you'll see that a lot with the age of officers, too. Um, Young rookies, you know, if some guy runs, they start chasing him. They start jumping fences. They're they're just, they got to get this guy. They get tunnel vision. They're going to get this guy. Whereas if it's, you know, an officer that has retirement within sight, He's going to say, you know, why am I going to risk blowing a knee out for something so minor? And he'll get on the radio, and he'll get a perimeter set, and he'll do it the easy way. You get the perimeter set, you do the yard-to-yard search, you get the guy. You don't yeah. blow out a yeah, knee or it, whatever. You calmly walk over to where you saw him, and you, you find the idiot dropped his cell phone or his friggin' ID, you know, in his wallet. <laughs> it's and I, I, think, I think everybody has seen that type of situation in movies and TV where – the young guys portrayed one way and the old, you know, curmudgeon cop is the other way and the curmudgeon always wins because or channel two lady Gaga's on. Sorry. Uh, so I, so mean, that, I still that's get wonderful. excited but, over a pursuit and I still get excited setting up a perimeter and looking for the bad guy. But it's not like the old days where some guy runs on me and I'm going to start hitting fences and darting across, you know, freeways trying to chase this guy. Because you know what I, I, you know, I want to retire, you know, without broken bones and blown out knees and everything. And I'm a lot closer to it now than when I, when I was, you know, when right. I was younger. And you realize when you get older that there's other ways to catch this guy besides just, you know, chasing. Well, you gotta, him. you gotta be smart. You gotta do smart police work. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. And I mean, I, I mean, I grew up as a from. Well, I don't, Jim. I think I met you when what I was 18. Maybe, yeah. Earlier, 
I mean, I learned next to basically next to Jim and with good officers. I picked the officers I could learn with. And you, you notice you said next to Jim and good officers. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Legend in his own that mind. That wasn't funny, Mark. That wasn't even funny. It was trying to be nice, hey, but Mark had to ruin it. So the, the answer to that, though, is, is I learned I learned law enforcement with guys that are that were very good at what they did and also picked officers that weren't the young guys. And it was it was very interesting to be able to diversify myself from the other group because, you know, when we go to an alarm call, we would handle it totally differently as a team of two, even though I was 18 or 19 and, you know, an older guy with me, it, we handled it totally differently than two rookie cops were. And we would actually sit there and watch the rookies go to the call and be like, what are they doing? And I'm, you know, so I, I learned, I was lucky. I learned early, you know, you got to make those decisions. You got to make that work early on. Um, that, that's a great discussion. I think we probably need to talk about that more later on. And I think the other aspect of this that I want to talk about is what, after all these years of being in law enforcement, what are still the, the hot topics for you? Like what really ticks you off? What's the one crime that you go to that really is the one that you want to spend extra time on to make sure that it gets solved. You know, so, maybe that's something that, yeah, maybe we, that's something we should say for another show. No, and I think we might, uh, what I'll do is let me, let me, we'll wrap this up. The, I'll, I'll give out the, what we're going to talk about next week. I have a few topics for next week, but just uh, real quick on that, uh, just for the people that care. And I mean, this isn't crimes great. involving kids. Children. Well, no, this, that's a whole nother show. So that New York thing, it ended up just being a broken down U-Haul truck. Well, so. you just asked me the crime that really ticks me off. No, I don't want to know about it now. Oh, jeez. it's for next week. You don't even you know, listen. It's pretty sad when we're in a society where you can't even rent a U-Haul that breaks down and hike up to the phone to call for help. You have to leave a note in the windshield saying, I am not a terrorist. My rented truck is not full of ammonia and fertilizer and gasoline. Please don't shoot me on sight. That, you know, the sad, the sad part about that is every U-Haul, every U-Haul I've ever rented is broken down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, U-Haul. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to carry, I'll just carry one of those signs with me. So, so let's wrap it up. So for next week, um, there's a couple questions that we missed for this week. Uh, what's the difference between city, county, and state police? Uh, what happens if I miss my date in court, as in what is the recourse that the court has, and what do I have to do to maybe hopefully call in ahead of time or whatever that might be? And if I decide to go to court to fight my ticket and sort of fight my case, what should I expect when I get in there? And then I know we've been asked by a couple people, a couple listeners, to try to at least look into the Arizona immigration law issue. And I, boy, that's a topic I sort of want to touch with a twenty-foot pole. But we can. I, I want to read about a little bit more of it before I say anything about it. We'll and do that, some research. And if we do use that question, Alex in Kansas gets a free book. Yeah. So he'll. Alex from where, Mark? Hello, Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. God, and hey, then we'll man, answer. Uh, I really want to tune in next week because Lady Gaga is going to be a guest. Uh, yeah, that guest would be that would be an eye opener. Uh, announce they, our engagement together, and my partner Tommy is probably puking right now because he can't stand her. But yeah. I am going to marry Lady Gaga. But the bottom line is, the reason why we wrote Cop Talk is because of the phrase "There's never a cop around when you need one." This happened to me. There's never a cop around. I had to wait 20 minutes for a cop to get there. There's never a cop around when you need one. 
And the reason why there's never a cop around when you need one or why a cop can't stop something or recognize something before it happens is because we're chasing cold paper from all the... Can I say stupid? You can say stupid, yeah. All the stupid things that people don't think about and don't use common sense for, uh, resulting in ridiculous thefts that take us hours and hours to write paper on. Thefts that probably we're never going to get your stuff back, and it's ridiculous. Like my daughter's friend last night left his wallet in his truck, even though he was in his garage, and somebody from another city came by, opened up his truck, stole his wallet, his unlocked truck, took his wallet, and left. That kind of cold paper that happens on a nightly basis and happened to my now, daughter's friend last night. If you night. weren't taking a report on that kind of ridiculous theft, then the cop might be able to cruise a neighborhood and go, hey, you know what? That truck without a state plates doesn't look right here. And I'm going to sit down the street and watch for the person to come back and uh, formulate a reason to make a stop and find out who this person is. And then the dude's got out-of-state warrants. He's a parolee on parole for burglary. You hook him, end of story, victory for the good guys. But not being informed really hampers our efforts. So that's why we wrote the book Cop Talk. It's 288 pages of what you can do to make your life safer. Check it out on the website. And I'm sorry, Brent, what were you saying? I I don't know. I, I, I think we should. No, I mean, I think at the, I think, I like this little end part of the show where we sort of rap about some issue like that. So maybe that's something not literally sing about it, but you know, just protect your devices. Yeah, it's good to sort of get to be a little bit more personal on some of these issues that really either make us mad or some of these things that we've learned over our careers. So, um, no, I, I think I, I think there's a green light here, but should I protect myself with Lady Gaga? Uh, I, there's, Obviously, and on that note, Jim. No, Jim. If I probably if I, very well established, <laughs> you know, and I think if Jim. I protect my assets, worse here, Jim. I think I, I think a prenuptial agreement. Jim, I think a prenuptial agreement would be. Uh, to it I, I think that I know you're saying that just for Tommy. So the the issue is, is you've given me a lot of good advice in my life. Um, I'm going to give you some good advice. You you should protect yourself for that. Thank you. So let's wrap it up. So website, coptalk.info. Please subscribe on iTunes and and review us, good or bad. please send in ideas. Send in questions. Send in your comments, right, wrong, if you like it, if you don't like it. But send them in and send in the city you're at to get a special shout-out from us next week. Yeah, and if you want Mark to shut up during the closing so he doesn't interrupt Brent every time, you can say you, you know can talk Mark about that too. Jim just went Sullivan. on a fifteen-minute rampage Mark about Lady Gaga, and you Ed get on Sullivan. me. <laughs> it dawned on me. Mark reminds me of Ed Sullivan. And instead of just saying, "Folks, please call in," it's tonight we have a really, really big show in Modesto. <laughs> just, just whip it out, Mark. Here's Jim. <laughs> Uh, and on that, I think uh, I think this show is done and a wrap, and we'll uh, we'll be back next week for episode eight. Mark, See ya. did you enjoy yourself? <laughs> yeah, I did. How about you, Jim? I had a great time. Brent, did you enjoy yourself? I always enjoy myself when talking with you guys. I look forward to doing it again next week. All right. See you all next week. See you next Everyone week. Everyone be safe out there.